This morning we have the opportunity to look at a message that God has for us from His Word, uh, specifically addressed towards husbands and men. And I did notice uh, sometime last week that my wife somehow conveniently had planned a trip so that she was gone last week when we were talking about 1 Peter 3 and addressing women and wives. And I thought, huh, that was pretty, that was pretty smart of her. And so I thought, well, there's got to be some way I can figure out a way not to be here this week. <laughs> that obviously didn't work. So here I am. And uh, seriously, I thought, what could be harder than last week, which last week I was required to preach to women on how to be a godly woman, something I don't know anything about. Well, I thought there could be nothing more difficult than that until I got to the text this week. And the thing that's more difficult than preaching to women about being a godly woman is preaching to men about something that I really genuinely struggle with. Now, when I say I struggle with it, I'm not being falsely modest. <laughs> There's lots of things in the Christian life that God has blessed me with and which seem to go well, in which God has changed my character, given me strength, or perhaps resonate with my natural personality, in which I feel like he's really pleased with who I am and who I'm becoming. What we're going to talk about this morning is not one of those areas. It is an area which, by God's grace, I have seen growth and I have seen development and change, but this is something in which uh, it's embarrassing how much I have to struggle with it. Now, the part of the problem is the fact that we only have one verse this morning. And sometimes when there's more verses, you could just avoid the verse you don't like and talk about the other stuff. Uh, there's no option this morning except to deal with what God has to say. And so my prayer is, is that sometimes failure is a good teacher. And at the end of the day, you didn't come here to hear what I have to say. You came here to hear what God has to say. And so we're going to pray and ask that God would speak to you about something that I don't have uh, the experience or the ability or even perhaps the moral authority uh, to be able to speak authoritatively about, but God does. So let's pray and ask his blessing as we look at his word. Father, we thank you that it's in our weakness that you are shown to be strong. And God, I thank you that there are passages of scripture that we can stand up and talk about in which you have given us great victory and great success. And Lord, I am humbled to think there are other passages of Scripture in which we have to stand up here and share with our, uh, others our vulnerability and weaknesses. And Lord, I pray that no matter where each person who's here this morning is, whether they're here uh, in strength or in weakness, I pray that you would be present and that it would be your voice speaking today, that all of us would submit ourselves to your word and that we would come under what it is that you have to say to us, that we might know that you love and care for us. God, I thank you for this opportunity and pray uh, that your presence would be very clear to us today. In Jesus' name, I ask you these things. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's one that we provide that we'd love for you to use. It'll be in the rack in front of you or underneath your seat. In those Bibles, it's page 982. If you turn to page 982 in those church Bibles, you'll be where we are today looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. While you're turning, let me point out that this week we do only have one verse uh, that is addressing husbands and men. 
And you could draw from the skit that perhaps uh, it's because men have it all together. That's not why, I think. Uh, the reason why women had six verses addressed to them and, and men only have one verse addressed to us might be because women are better at multitasking. And so God can say to women uh, issues about submission, things about submission and physical beauty and difficult assignments in life, and they can handle all of that instruction at once. Men sometimes need much more focused, much more concentrated, very simple instruction, one thing. One thing that we can handle. Uh, and that's what we have this morning. Just one thing that God wants to say. To, now, it's important. It's very important. But I feel like God has put it for us in a very sort of a succinct and clear way, which makes it, men, really unavoidable for us. Now, I say I'm talking to men, and that's because the passage addresses husbands. Now, last week, the passage addressed wives, but we saw that it was really about women, how women can be godly women. The same is true for our passage today, that while it is explicitly addressing husbands, these passages are more about mission than they are about marriage. The mission of how God can accomplish what he wants to accomplish in this world. And that involves men being the men that God has called us to be. And so, men, what God has to say to us is obviously incredibly important if you're married. But it's also important for you to think about uh, in terms of your daughters or your granddaughters. It's important if you're not yet married. It's important if you've chosen a life of singles, whatever it may be. Uh, that God has you and I being the kind of men that he wants us to be. Now, women, last week was really focused on you. But hopefully there were still things that men picked up as we listened to what God had to say to you. And my prayer is the same for you this week. Uh, this is explicitly addressed uh, to husbands and to men. But I think that the attitudes that God is asking us to engage in also will be beneficial for you. So as you listen... Uh, hear something for yourself from the Lord in this. Our verse says, 1 Peter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, in just a minute, we're going to walk through this verse phrase by phrase. But I don't want to lose the forest because of the trees. And what I want us to notice is, is the kind of the general sense of this verse. Is that it seems, even though it's addressed specifically to husbands and to men, it's really a lot about women. That the first six verses in this chapter were about women. And God was talking about how women are essential to his plan to bring his kingdom into this world. And verse number seven, in many ways, talks about how husbands can be supportive of their wives and how men can be supportive of women as God works in and through women to accomplish great things. You see, sometimes as men, we like to think, well, we're central to the plan of God and God has put women and wives in our lives to kind of help support that happening. This provides a nice counterbalance to that idea that God is doing amazing things through women and that in many ways, husbands and men, we have an opportunity to support and encourage women as they are being the women that God wants them to be and as God uses them to do great and mighty things. So even as you listen to this verse read, you kind of get the sense that it's very affirming and very encouraging of wives and women and that husbands, in many ways, we are being called on to be supportive and helpful. And that's the big sense. Now we're going to see how it comes after us 
in small phrases at a time. He begins in the same way. That phrase ties what he has to say to husbands to what he had to say to wives uh, about Jesus, about workers and students and volunteers, about citizens, all the things he's been saying for the past chapter or so. And when Peter says in the same way, what he doesn't mean is husbands submit to your wives in the same way that wives submit to your husbands. What he means is, is husbands, you and I, we must submit to God's plan for how marriage is supposed to happen. Just like Jesus had to submit to the Father, just like employees and students and volunteers have to submit to those in leadership over them, just like citizens have to submit to those who are in the governing authorities, Husbands and men, we have to submit to how God wants marriage to work. See, sometimes you can hear a verse that says, wives, submit to your husbands, and men, you can think, well, good, I'm in charge. No, you and I, we're not in charge. God's in charge. And God has a very specific plan for what our role in the marriage is supposed to look like, and us doing that role is not optional. We don't get to just decide how marriage is going to work or how the family life is going to work or how we're going to interact with our wives. We must submit to God. And that's why Peter begins in the same way. Just like governing authorities must be, what well, citizens must submit to governing authorities, workers must submit to their bosses. Jesus submitted to the Father. Wives submit to their husbands. So now, men, we must submit to God and live our lives the way that God has told us to live them well here's the thing he tells us that we have to submit to one idea be considerate as you live with your wives be considerate as you live with your wives literally this means or could be translated live with your wives according to knowledge live with your wives according to knowledge which in other words means know your wife the reason the NIV has translated it be considered is that's the general idea. The general idea is men, know the woman that you are with well enough that you're able to care for her, that you're able to provide her that tender, loving support that she needs. Understand who she is in such a way that you can give her what she needs. Now, in a general sense, this has to do with understanding, for example, your wife's love language. What causes her to feel loved? Does she feel loved when she receives gifts? Does she feel loved when you spend time with her? Does she feel loved when you give her words of affirmation, when you serve her, whatever it may be? Now, in my wife's case, her love language is receiving gifts, which is unfortunate. <laughs> because this is something that I am notoriously bad at. For example, some of the presents I have given my wife include nothing, <laughs> uh, two reams of scrap paper, uh, a small fuzzy stuffed gorilla purchased at a drugstore on the way home, <laughs> and a set of pre-pregnancy sized clothes given to her the day after she gave birth. Yes, not good. I'm saying I'm not being falsely modest when I say this is a struggle. This is not false modesty in any stretch. Now, that's not good. It's not good. 
Okay, now I feel like I'm not without company because as I was sharing this sermon with our pastoral residence, Ardo, who just uh, prayed for us earlier today, he said, well, I once gave my wife a spare tire for Christmas. <laughs> so I feel good that there are, we're, we, we got some, we're in good company here, Ardo. Now, I can honestly tell you, none of those things were given maliciously. They were given in ignorance. But Peter's saying, <laughs> yeah. Peter's saying ignorance is not an excuse. The point is, know your wife. Know what it is that's going to encourage her. Know what it is that's going to make her happy. Know what it is that's going to make her feel loved. Ignorance is not an excuse. This is why it says in 1 Corinthians 7. Can I have 1 Corinthians 7, please? <clears throat> but a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. God's saying, look, if you're not married, men, you can be fully devoted to serving God. That's great. But if you're married, God has asked us to take some of the devotion we would normally give to him and use it to get to know our wives so that we can please them. This is God himself saying, I'm giving up some of the devotion and time you should give to me, and I want you to spend it on your wife. I want you to love your wife. I want you to know your wife. Ignorance is not an excuse. More broadly speaking, this means knowing that our wives perhaps like to talk in the evening, or perhaps that spending time with their grandchildren really energizes them and is important to them. It means knowing, for example, that perhaps our wife feels guilty as she goes to work uh, to try to earn money to help support the family that she's not able to spend as much time at the kid's school, whatever it may be. This means knowing, for example, that, that winter is hard emotionally on her or that being around her family stresses her out or that getting a break from cooking is really important. Whatever it may be, God's point is husbands, know your wives so that you can be considerate so that you can be compassionate, so that you can give them the tender care that they need. Now that's the general sense of the idea of be considerate. But Peter doesn't just leave us in that general sense. He gives us a very specific way in which we demonstrate or use that knowledge to express consideration. Treat them with respect. Treat them with respect. Now, sometimes in Christian circles, we think that husbands and wives in a marriage need different things. That husbands need respect and wives need love. Now, that's true. That's how Ephesians 5 presents it. Wives respect your husbands and husbands love your wives. But this passage gives a nice balance to that. Women need respect too. Wives need to be respected, and so God says, husbands, respect your wives. Part of knowing who they are is understanding what they're going through and respecting them for it. And he gives two areas in which, really, women deserve the respect of men. The first is, as the weaker partner. Now listen, there's no way to hear that phrase in today's politically correct world and not bristle. There's no way to hear wives as the weaker partner and think, uh-oh, something bad is about to happen. But as is always the case with God, what he has to say is not sexist, 
but affirming if you understand it the way he intends it to be understood. What he means when he calls wives or women the weaker partner, he does not mean that they are in any way spiritually or intellectually weaker. There's no way after he just got done with these six verses talking about how women are central to his plan to bring his kingdom into this world, that they are in many ways spiritual superstars. There's no way that God in any way means that women are spiritually weaker. It can mean that on average, women are physically weaker than men. But even that I don't think is the point. What I think is the point is that in society at large, women are more vulnerable than men. That society at large is not set up with them in mind, that it can be more oppressive to women than it is to men. That in many ways, the levers of power in society, not in the church, but in society, women are obstructed from uh, experiencing that. That in many ways, women are more likely to be objectified by men. They're more likely to be victims of sexual assault. That things that women are naturally gifted to do, like bear children, are not valued by society at large. They're valued by God, absolutely. But I'm talking about in society at large, that to be a woman can be a very difficult thing. That oftentimes to get ahead in the society in which we live, women have to act like men and not like women. That's what Peter means when he talks about the weaker partner. He means in the society in which we live, it can be more difficult for a woman to make her way as a woman in the world today. Camille Parker in the December 2013 issue of Time magazine had an article uh, entitled, It's a Man's World and It Always Will Be, in which she has this very uh, good quote. She says, the modern economy with its vast production and distribution network is a male epic in which women have found a productive role, but women were not its author. That's a very wise understanding that what we're not saying is, is that women have no natural advantages and that men have no suffering or anything like that. What we're trying to say is, is that in society at large, because of the sinfulness of humanity, the world is set up in such a way that it is more difficult or more oppressive for a woman than it is for a man. That what women are naturally gifted by God to do, the ways in which they naturally resonate, are not valued by the society in which we find ourselves. This is one of the reasons why I believe that women often it's more easy, it's easier for them to embrace God. It's because they have less of a natural affinity for this world and its systems. And what Peter's saying, husbands, think about this for a minute. Think about how hard it is for a woman to be a woman in the world. And even in a place like America, which is attempting to be more egalitarian. Think about how difficult it is for a woman to be a woman in the world in which we live today. Last week we talked about the whole issue of physical beauty and how oppressive that is for women. Guys, the more you think about that and what your wife is going through, what women are going the more you have respect for them as you think about the hard road they've been asked to walk in the society in which we live. And Peter's saying, look, live with them in knowledge. Be considerate and have respect for how hard it is for a woman to be a woman in the world today. 
The second area that God says that we ought to respect women and what they've been asked to do is not their role in society. The second one has to do with their role in God's kingdom. The next phrase. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. What Peter is saying is, is that women and men are absolutely equal when it comes to God's blessing and love and choice to receive salvation. That when it comes to salvation, that when it comes to God's gift of eternal life, when it comes to the fact that Jesus came to die on a cross so that our sins might be forgiven, so that God might give us eternal life, so that we might be adopted into his family, so that we might receive all of the blessings of heaven, that that comes equally to men and women alike, that in God's eyes there is no difference between men and women, that in heaven, all these gender distinctions as far as roles, that will all be gone. That in Christ, there is neither male nor female, there is neither a bond nor, uh, nor free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what it means to be inheritors of the gift of life. Now, if that's true, which it is, husbands and men, think about this for a moment. Think about the role that wives have been asked to play. Wives who are in every way equal with men in God's eyes. This is what he says. Have been asked to embrace a role of submission in a Christian marriage. That's an incredibly difficult thing to be asked to do. Women are not second-class citizens. Women are somehow not able to carry their weight and therefore they have to, they have to be, uh, embrace submission. God is not saying that at all. What he's saying is they're absolutely equal with you in every way. And yet I've asked them to walk the road of submission. This is what makes wives in a marriage like Jesus. We're told of Jesus that he is in every way equal with God the Father. Equal in wisdom, equal in power, equal in glory, equal in every way with God the Father. But he did not hold on to his equality with God as something to be grasped, but instead made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, that he was willing to be in submission to God the Father, that he was willing to come to earth <clears throat> to become one of us, to live in obedience to God. How many of you have ever had an experience where you've been in a workplace and perhaps on a project team, one of your coworkers was chosen to be the leader of the project team. And that person may be at the same pay grade you're at. They may have been at the company as long as you've been at the company. They may be just as qualified as you or you just as qualified to them as to lead the team, but they were chosen and you were not. Have you ever had that experience? That can be tough sometimes to follow their lead. It can be tough to acknowledge them as the leader of the project. Well, husbands, this is what wives have been asked to go through every day of their married lives in some sense. That in every way, women are equal with men when it comes to God from God's point of view. In every way, in their giftedness, in the filling of the Holy Spirit, in the grace that God has poured out to them. But they have been asked by God to let us lead. That's a tough assignment. And God says it's worthy of respect. It's worthy of respecting their ability to do this. This is why, speaking of God and his affections towards Jesus, 
It says, therefore, because Jesus was willing to humble himself and do this, God has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, or under the earth. And at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. That God the Father says, look, you have no idea how hard it is to be asked to go through this submissive process, to be asked to sacrifice like Jesus did. And so therefore God has raised him up and is honoring him for this role. And husbands, we're being asked to do the same thing. That's why the gifts that we give our wives, the words that we affirm them with, our respect for the fact that God has asked them to walk a road that really only Jesus knows. A road that's incredibly difficult of being absolutely equal with men, but being asked to allow men to let men lead. And this way God says, what you need to do, what I need to do, is find ways to honor women to give them positions of influence, to allow them to have ministry roles that are fulfilling, to find ways to support and serve them as they work outside the home, to give them words of affirmation, to point out to them uh, how much we appreciate what it is that they're doing, to be able to see the road that they've been asked. That's what Peter's trying to say. Look, husbands, know what your wives are going through. Try to understand what it's like to be a woman in the world today and in God's kingdom. And that the difficult road that they've been asked to walk is something that is worthy of respect. Peter closes with, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is the reminder that ultimately these passages are not marriage passages as much as they are mission passages. That God has asked us men to do things in this world to advance his kingdom, but our ability to serve God out there is dependent upon how we treat women in here. Our ability to influence people and for God to use us and for God to bless us is dependent upon how we treat uh, the wife that God has entrusted to us. You see, nothing will hinder your prayers. This reminds me of Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells a story about a king, uh, a a king who had a servant who owed him a lot of money, a ton of money. The servant couldn't pay. And so he comes into the king and he says, please have mercy on me. I can't pay. Give me some more time. And instead of just giving him more time, the king says, tell you what, because he had compassion. I'm just going to forgive the debt. I'm just going to erase the debt. Servant is overwhelmed. How great is this? But then he leaves the king's presence and he goes out and finds somebody who owes him some money. Not very much money, by the way. And he says to the man who owes him a little bit of money, give me the money you owe me. And the man says, have mercy on me. I I can't pay right now. Give me some more time. And the man, instead of showing mercy, throws him in prison. Well, the king hears about this and is furious. He calls the first servant back in and he says, what in the world are you doing? Was I not merciful and compassionate to you? Didn't I not forget a, forgive a huge debt for you and you won't forgive this small debt? Did I not show you a great amount of mercy and you will not show your fellow servant a small amount of mercy? And then Jesus says in the story, the king who represents God reverses his merciful proclamation. And Jesus closes the story with, if you do not have mercy on others, God will not have mercy on you. 
See, prayer is defined in the Bible, according to Hebrews, as going before the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in time of need. And what God is saying is, look, you want me to consider men. You want me to consider your situation. You want me to consider your plight at work. You want me to consider about how hard you have it. You want me to look at you and to understand what you're going through and to show up with mercy and grace. If you will not do that for your wife or for the women I've put around you, I'm not going to do it for you. After all, God is nothing if not compassionate and merciful and understanding. And men, what he's asking us to be is men after his own heart. Those who are willing to spend the time to know the woman he's put in our life or know the women that are around us so that we might understand just how hard it is that they've been, the hard the road is they've been asked to walk so that we might be compassionate and merciful to them. And then God says, I will be compassionate and merciful to you. Now, I told you at the beginning of the sermon, I'm not here to be able to tell you this is what I'm good at. I'm here to tell you this is what God requires of us. And I'd love to be able to tell you, I have great success in this. I'm super compassionate. I'm really empathetic. But I'm here this morning to tell you, man, I need help. I need help from God. And so I got an assignment for me and one for you too. What I'd like us to do is if you're married, I want you to go home today, find some time and ask your wife some questions. If you're not married, I'd like you to find a significant woman in your life. Perhaps uh, it might be a granddaughter. It might be your mom. It might be a woman in your small group. A significant woman in your life. You may have to vary the questions slightly if you're not married to the person you're asking them to. But here are the questions. Now, they're written down in your notes, guys, so we don't have any excuse to say I didn't get them down in time. And here are the questions. <clears throat> Number one, <clears throat> how did the sermon make you feel today? Now, if they haven't listened to the sermon, you can have them listen to the sermon. Or if they weren't here, you can skip this question. But how did the sermon make you feel today? Number two, in what ways do you find it difficult to be a woman in the world today? God says, husbands, know the fact that women have been asked to walk a tough road. So simply ask your wife or this woman a question. How do you find it difficult to be a woman in the world today? Again, not meaning the church, but in society at large. How is that a hard road to walk? Number three, what aspect of the world's obsession with beauty do you find to be most challenging? I put this question in there because last week when I tried to write the sermon, the first pass when I wrote the stuff about physical beauty, I gave it to some women to read and they were like, oh Lord, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that became a great opportunity to actually ask them, why is it so challenging to deal with issues of beauty in the world today? And I got a lot of information I had no idea about. Go ask that question. <laughs> Number four, what does it feel like to be asked by God to embrace submission? 
Again, what we said last week uh, to women, we're not here to try to define how this works. It's an incredibly complex process and it won't work apart from God's leading and God's spirit and trust in God. But men, God said the, the role that wives have been asked to embrace, that same role that Jesus embraced, is worthy of honor. It's worth knowing what all they're going through. And so ask them, what does it feel like to be asked by God to do what Jesus did? And number five, and this one you might have to vary if you're not married to her, but how do I love and understand you well? And how can I love and understand you better? Again, by God's grace, even the worst of us present givers have occasionally given a, a good and loving present. And even the most insensitive of us have occasionally been sensitive. And so I do want you to be encouraged that there are ways in which I'm sure you have loved and understood your wife, even if you struggle with this like I do. But even if you're fantastic at it, I'm sure there are things about her that you don't understand as well. See, women are constantly growing and changing and God's at work in their life. And so understanding and knowing a woman is not something you do one time or not for a season and figure out I've got this. It's a constant ongoing process of learning to live with and love the woman that God has put in your life. And so ask her the question, how am I doing with this and how can I do better?